just like to introduce to you David and Linda Cowie. I know there are familiar faces to many because I've been around here for a, a while now. Now these guys head up Marine Reach and recently they've been working in Vanuatu which is where we sent that building team to, how long ago was that? Oh, a couple of months? Yep. David, did they do a good job? Yeah, I just want to thank the church for the amazing support this uh, church has given us over the last um, 25 years for Marine Reach. It's just been amazing. And uh, no more was it uh, reflected more relevantly than in the recent team that, uh, that Rodney brought up um, to do the construction work just to finish the building off. They were absolutely amazing. I have never seen a team so... Um, professional, so organized, so motivated, so in unity to, uh, to complete the building. They put in a, um, a commercial kitchen, built a, 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 a um, diagnostic lab, that's what it was, and then installed all the cupboards and all the desks and all in the space of about seven working days. So they were absolutely amazing. So thank you for sending that team to us, it made all the difference. So let me introduce you to you um, what exactly we're trying to do in Vanuatu. By the way of this video, I think it'll be helpful. So guys, can we go ahead and run that? Unfortunately, the healthcare system in Vanuatu is very poor. There's structural problems, resource problems, uh, human resource problems. Uh, violence has continued to grow sharply, has increased in, in the homes. Violence against women and children especially. Level of abuse amongst the girl child as uh, we see more and more. Lots of uh, deaths occurring as a result of violence at home. We often talk about making a difference and um, the question we have to ask is can we or do we? Here in Vanuatu, just a few hours flying time from the Australian coast, we struggle with all those issues of domestic violence, poverty, social injustice. While we're enjoying this paradise we call Vanuatu, that we need the paradise. We also have very serious social, economic, and moral issues ongoing in this country. But there's a, a growing voice here to address these issues finally and to see a change take place. And Marine Reach is now part of all of that. Our new family care centre is going to make all the difference. Here at the family care centre, I have partnered with Marine Reach and the nation of Vanuatu to help develop a, a diagnostic lab training course in which local NEVANs as well as community healthcare workers and nurses and doctors can come and learn how to identify and diagnose specific diseases that are inherent to this region. It's very difficult at the moment if a woman is suffering from sexual assault to give evidence apart from telling stories. It's very hard, especially with a culture that uh, women don't openly and cannot openly share their own feelings about what uh, the trauma that they've gone through. This center will be able to give some evidence of it. Yeah, I think this facility obviously is a huge benefit. 
to the people in this community and in the surrounding area. And it's also a huge benefit as a model, a model of what can be done in a different way. We've got a training centre. We can take women in who need to be empowered in their respective communities and train them in the area of uh, primary health care or early childhood education programs so that they can go back into the communities and, and make a difference. It's always extremely fulfilling when you help others. There's nothing better than that emotion, that feeling. And to see a difference been made in the lives of individuals is, uh, is such a, a wonderful investment in humanity. Mi proud to us with tomorrow, by cut one one open, we only extend them clinic. Mommy tell them thank you to us, who we only stop fund them clinic, only got consent, lo Mivala. Generally, you have organizations in this country who are doing good work. And the most effective way to help this country is to help those organizations to do that work more effectively. On behalf of the Ministry of Justice, uh, this is a program that uh, we would like to endorse as part of the ongoing program on addressing uh, prevention for, on violence against women. And uh, we look forward to working with uh, Marine Rich on establishing referral pathways so that, well, together we can empower our people to care for themselves. So the question is, can we make a difference? Yes, I believe we can. Yes, I believe Marine Rich can make a difference in Vanuatu. Now, as we've seen, there's just huge needs up there. What areas are you guys wanting to get involved with, first and foremost? Well, we feel that the Lord has put on our hearts um, four main needs of the nation. Number one, um, very, of course, importantly, is the transformation of the heart and finding Jesus as their savior and the fact that uh, darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. Jesus can set the bonds of, of uh, fear, especially through black magic, can set the uh, people free, and that's so important to us. Secondly, it's the medical and dental, as you would have seen in the video. Uh, thirdly, we are addressing the needs of the abused women and children, and often they come to the clinic and they are cared for physically, and then, of course, prayed for and counseled, and uh, um, we're working with the um, with the Ministries of Health and Justice to provide a program of forensic clinical medicine to provide evidence in the courts. So that's very important. And lastly, education. Um, we are running courses and uh, one has just started, the one that you would have seen in the video, the diagnostic lab training just started the other day and teacher training and um, yeah. So those are the four main felt needs. That's gonna keep you guys busy for a wee while. <laughs> so as a church, what can we do to get involved and to actually help what you guys want to achieve over there? Well, I think prayer is the key thing. I thank you so much for praying for us and continuing to do that, um, giving financially, even giving it practically. Thank you, uh, Serious Coffee Women, for giving you-know-what to our program um, of uh, surprise. Bras, they're bras. <laughs> 
support with dignity is the program that we call that. And there are other programs. Uh, <laughs> there are other programs that we have too. And um, so you can either come, visit us, um, volunteer for a couple of weeks. We actually need a full-time cook. We need uh, teachers. We need uh, people that come can come again with a bit of specialized additional construction that's needed. Yeah, and we also and need tradesmen because there's still a lot of projects we're going to do. We want to kind of convert a container into an op shop and things like that. So we need tradesmen. Yeah. So plenty of areas that we can get involved in. And... You know, don't leave this afternoon. I've got a box of bras in my office that we need to give to you, David. <laughs> and if anyone's out there going, what? Why? Come ask <laughs> me why. Yeah. All can be revealed. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Michaela. <laughs> On that note, I'll just ask Michaela to come up. She's got a short message to share with us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> We will leave that there. <laughs> oh, kia ora. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Nō mai haere mai. Ki te hahi o Petrehema. Welcome. And I'm going to try in Chinese. The Chinese congregation here at BBC have been teaching me. Zao shang ho, huang ying. Welcome. Well, mission, it's such... Big word, yet with only seven letters. There are so many connotations surrounding this word, and I know that we hear the saying, we're all called to be missionaries. And when we hear that, sometimes we can, we can either, um, one of three things, put our shoulders up, a shiver down our spine and go, oh no. Or we go, oh yeah, ho-hum. Or we sit forward in our seats and we can't wait to hear what the next story is, and yes, Lord, take me somewhere. But it's a scary word for most of us, isn't it? Because it has so much in there. Well, many years ago, when I first became a Christian, I know it scared me. Believe it or not, in my early 20s, I was like a scared rabbit. And groups of people, when they even spoke to me, I was like a possum in headlights. As a teenager, I had a fringe covering my eyes so that people could not see into them. And I would turn beetroot red when strangers would talk to me. But then I met Jesus in a very, very powerful way. I suffered quite badly from sciatica and also some other issues with my back that um, had been caused through some quite serious horse riding accidents. I was in a lot of pain. It was very painful and where I even struggled to walk upstairs. My Uncle Andy, who was more like my brother, one Sunday dragged me along to a church service where there was a visiting preacher by the name of Alan Williams and he was there from Mercy Ships um, with his wife Faye. Alan was preaching away when all of a sudden he just stopped in the middle of his sentence and he said, God just told me that there is a woman here who has issues with her back. God wants to heal her today. 
Andy, of course, was there going, that's you, that's you, get up there now. And I'm going, heck no. There's no way I'm going up the front to go and have some stranger pray for me. Long story short, somehow I ended up there at the front with my uncle beside me. And as Alan and Faye prayed, the whole church heard this. <coughs> Cartilage and bones moving. It was quite a freaky sound. I felt nothing though. And then I was healed. I had absolutely no pain. None whatsoever. And it was there that I realized that God was so very real. I had not given my life to him at that stage, and I'd not repented, but yet he still chose to heal me regardless. This God, this Jesus, was someone I could trust, someone who loved me for who I was, warts and all. And I also realized that he was a God of incredible grace and mercy for little old me. It didn't, however, mean that he was going to leave me there. Oh, no. He took me on the biggest roller coaster ride, adventure and journey of a lifetime. And it's where he brought me to, is here today, serving in this church, in this city. You see, if God can take a scrawny, and yes, I was once scrawny. God changes this a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> anyway, if he can take a scrawny, scared, shy, low self-esteem chick like me and change, mold, create, bring beauty and enable me to look outside of myself, then he can do it with anyone no matter where you are, no matter what you are. However, I believe there's a little but. You see, it's not about being confident, strong and sure of yourself. <laughs> it's not about any of those things before he can use you. For God takes the small things of this world and builds his kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 1.27 it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And yes, even Jesus had to grow. As it states in Luke 5.52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And it all takes time. And use the power of your testimony. Yes, I've got a testimony. It's quite a powerful one, but so have you. Because the best testimony that I have ever heard is one by a friend of ours that we knew here at BBC. He led the worship team for many years, and his name was Peter Harris. And his widow is still with us here today, Chris. Unfortunately, he died in a helicopter crash while he was filming. Um, for TV3. But he said to me, it wasn't actually long before he died, he said, Michaela, I was a good boy. I never smoked, I never partied, I never drank, I never did anything wrong. I always obeyed my parents. 
But when I was faced with the cross, I knew I still needed Jesus. That is the best testimony I've ever heard. And Darren just sang a song, Battles, with the words, you are going before me, and oceans are parting. You're fighting my battles, where my feet are failing and my heart is shaking, like this thing here. (laughs) You're fighting my battles. In my weakness, you are strong. And every person, every brave soul, sitting in this congregation who is involved in some form of reaching out to others, can testify to that, and you know who you are. You see, the difference is, my friends, is that you have to want it. You know, if you're happy in your space and you're comfortable where you are, that's okay. But if you want to know God and see him, then you have to seek it. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You see, the difference is that we can only know this when we spend time with him. And that's where he wants you to start, by just getting to know him, so that you can learn to not only hear, but recognize his voice, his leading. And it's then from this platform that you will then see his glory. I know that I desire with all my heart to see that, to see his glory. He's the one that goes ahead of you, and he's the one that performs his miracles and shows his glory. But he needs us. He desires us. He wants us, all of us, to bring that about. There's a really old song um, by Bon Jovi. Some of you young ones will not know who Bon Jovi is, but um, he was in my teenage years and I really liked him. (laughs) Totally secular, anyway. He has a song called Because We Can. And I remember the chorus, and no, don't worry, I'm not gonna sing it. I don't wanna be another wave in the ocean. I am a rock, not just another grain of sand. I wanna be the one you run to when we need a shoulder. I ain't a soldier, but I'm here to take a stand because we can. Our love can move a mountain because we can. Isn't that a neat chorus? We have some mottos in our family, and um, one is no regrets. And that came to play when our son-in-law got diagnosed with leukemia and fought a battle for a year before he passed away. I decided to take eight months off because our motto was no regrets, and I wanted no regrets. So I took eight months off work and I traveled backwards and forwards from Australia to support our daughter Brittany so that she could sit beside his bed all that time. And another saying that our son started some years ago was when he was going through military training, and many of you may have heard this story before, but as he was doing a massive tramp, he ended up taking on board other people's or other soldiers' packs and gear. He carried extra loads. And we said to him, why did you do that? And he said, because I can. And it stuck with us as a family. 
I remember waiting in line at a supermarket with all three kids about 15 years ago when they were, um, when they were smaller. And in front of us was a woman who was clearly really distressed. Her hands were shaking, and you could see that she was so close to tears. She only had a few things in her basket, and when she went to pay for them, as she opened her wallet, she realized that she'd forgotten her card and didn't have enough cash to pay for the groceries. She only had just, an, just some. So she started taking some items of the very few that she had and putting them aside. And I looked at the kids, and so I stepped up and I said, here, let me pay for the rest. She, um, she then started to cry. You can imagine the poor old checkout operator. He was only a young guy and he's going, oh, what do I do with this? <laughs> but she shared with her son, she shared with us that her son had just been in a terrible car accident and they weren't sure if he was going to live and he was being transferred to Waikato. She was buying the few items to keep her going so that she could sit beside his hospital bed. And yes, in front of the checkout operator and in front of the people that were waiting in line behind us, I said, will you let us pray for you? That was it, floods of tears everywhere and she just said yes. And of course the checkout operator sort of going, <laughs> what next? <laughs> But after we'd finished getting our groceries, the kids and I then sat in our van and we prayed. We didn't know who these people were, and we knew we would never hear the outcome. But it didn't matter, and it didn't stop us, because we all knew that God had put us in that checkout line for a reason. And why did we do it? Embarrassing ourselves in front of the checkout operator? and the people waiting in behind, because we could. We could pay and pray. Oh, I like that. Pay and pray. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> to this day, we don't know what happened. But it doesn't matter because we know we will one day. I feel privileged to have lived my life like that, doing things just because I can, Asking Jesus for his direction for my life and following along, just being obedient to his leading and then being open. Being obedient isn't easy. Not at all. And sometimes it gets so hard, we actually just want to give up. And we make mistakes. I know I do, constantly. But it doesn't mean that I hide away and put myself in a corner with a dunce cap on. No. A lot of you won't know what that means either. <laughs> um, but I keep short accounts with God. And I learn like crazy from the mistakes. And I pick myself up and I dust myself off and I move forward. Jesus never said that it was going to be easy. But I know this. My life is never boring. It is one incredible, incredible, amazing, and hopefully God-glorifying adventure. And I don't regret one bit of it, no matter how hard it gets, because I learn. And I want to continue to learn regardless. You know, I learned early on 
to take the blinkers off. In the old days, they used to have horses with blinkers so they wouldn't get distracted and would keep moving forward. But I decided that I needed to take my blinkers off and move forward seeing everything that God has for us. All his miracles. <laughs> and I get such a buzz <laughs> when you see God at work. And I want that for you guys. Tim Dearborn has a quote in one of his books. It's not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission that has a church in the world. You like that? Not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission that has a church in the world. If we will do just one little thing every day, or gave of ourselves or even our finances every week, this church, this city, and this nation would actually be a completely different place. Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to save the lost, and now he uses us to seek and save the lost. And best of all, he's given us some promises. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, including Bethlehem, Tauranga, Bay of Plenty and New Zealand. Here at BBC, everything we do is mission. We don't do it otherwise. Everything we do is geared towards those who don't know Jesus. And we hopefully help them to go on a journey to become Christ followers. And you know why? Because we can. And we have the best news to tell, don't we? We as peoples and as individuals have been given a great commission. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always. The church must go into the world because the world won't come into the church. This is a place of learning and teaching and discipling and caring and loving one another where when we fall over, we can pick each other up and dust each other off and send us on our way again. He's given us this promise that as, he, as, as we do, so he was with us always. So I'm going to ask you, will you stand with me now? Stand because you can. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Because you want to see God use you in the small ways or even the big ways. Because you want to make a difference. You want to leave a legacy of that kind of person who your family can look to 
and emulate. Be that role model for all those around you. Will you stand with me now as I pray? Lord, thank you that even in the midst of our fears, our brokenness, and what we feel is our lack of ability, that we can stand before you and say, use me. Help us all to open our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and yes, even our purse strings, <laughs> to hear your voice in the midst of chaos so that we can make a difference in the perception of people who are not followers of you. That you can use our gifts, our talents, and our voices to carry your witness. And so help individuals and communities see your glory. We pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that when we do, and that we do this, not because we have to, but because we can. I just want to pray a karakia. Kia tau. Kia atato katoa. May we all join peacefully. Te atafai o te tato ariki a ihu karaiti. Through the love and support of our Lord Jesus Christ. Me te aroha nui o te atua. And the love of God. Me te fifi. Nataha, sorry. Fifi, Natahitanga, Kete Wairua Tapu, and the unity is one through the Holy Spirit. Amene. Thank you. Well, now I'm just going to introduce a very special man in our lives. <laughs> this man we've known for 28 years as we went to. Kiri Baptist Theological College together and we became pastors together. This man is still a pastor here at Bethlehem Baptist Church and, um, but he was never satisfied with the status quo. <laughs> he always had that bubbling holy discontent that Craig has often talked about before and now he's in the community. Can we please welcome to the stage Campbell Hill. Good morning, church. How are you? <laughs> wow, we've had a feast this morning. What a great job. Wasn't that a great message? Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Fantastic. Kimball, we've known each other a very long time, we and we've done the journey, haven't we? We have. But um, you were ministering in the church for many years. Mm. What made you change to move from within the church to outside the church with yeah. Good Neighbour? Yeah, good. Um, I, I thought about that question, and um, I've, I've grown up in the church. Many of you might not have, have done that, but uh, my heritage was that my mum and dad were missionaries in Fiji for, for about 10 years, so I was part of that whole journey. And then we were part of the youth group here with, um, with Marine Reach and David and Linda Cowan. We went on that boat, and I can still remember David <laughs> giving us the messages there as we went out into the villages. All that stuff inspires us. It stays with us somehow. It never leaves us. 
and it and it adds to the um, to who we are and, and, and what we what we think we can think we can do, and and when we get inspired with with people you know Steiger and Cool Bananas and you know icons and all these kind of people, hey just when you when you're in that environment you can't help but grow, and and, and as you realise who God is and who what He's called us to do, then uh, you know at some point in your life you've got to say hey listen I, I've got to I believe I can step out I believe you've gone, God is calling me to something, and even though it's scary, even though it's hard, even though it's very muddy and that there's no kind of, you know, I believe that if we follow, it, it, it'll kind of work its way out. And yeah. so <clears throat> you certainly did that. <laughs> yeah. You basically came up with a muddy idea, very as muddy. you called it, yep. <laughs> and you created um, Good Neighbour along with some yep. other people who helped support you through that. That's right. Those, that people are here, those people are here today, uh, and, and I don't stand here alone. Um, we went on a, um, an exploratory look around mission organisations because I just want to open myself up to mission opportunities because, again, you just want to be inspired. And so we, uh, John Payne and um, Jason Rowling and myself, we went to um, Nepal, we went to India, we looked at leprosy missions, we looked at all kinds of stuff. And then we went up to a place um, in, in um, Kathmandu and there was, a, there was an NGO up there and it called Amal Chiselke. Amal Chiselke. Amal bad Nepalese, so please forgive me. Um, but that, that, in that time, we were going into um, these sort of slum areas and that means good neighbour in Nepalese. And I wrote that down. I thought, if I ever started something, I'm going to call it good neighbour. And so that began a kind of a journey. And then I went over to Fiji with Graham and, and, and Lynn Nichols. Everything. We stayed over there, went around Fiji, tried to discover whether that was going to be something. And then came back and thought, hey, listen, we're, we're doing stuff overseas. What about my own backyard? Mm. And then I started meeting up with guys like Nick Gregg and, and Todd over there, and we began to kind of put our heads together, and we walked around the community. Remember that? We were all praying around the community. And God just kind of sort of opened some stuff up and just took blinkers off our eyes like you were talking about. And we began to see that, hey, just 400 metres from my home, there's a, there's a family and they broke into my house and they're just so needy and we began a journey of discovering our community afresh. Mm. And uh, that just kind of inspired us to kind of get involved and, and we just did whatever it was in front of us to still start. Yeah. And uh, we've been going about five years now um, and it just started with me in my lounge basically and a few buddies. And uh, Tony Paul, where is he? He's over there. He was on our first tree-taking down job. We shouldn't have done it, but we did. <laughs> Only because I you hate were there. To ask. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> you can get away with a lot with a um, with a clipboard and a vest <laughs> and some oh, has no. tape. No, hey. please, please don't. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Campbell, good neighbour, and many of you will know what good neighbour is here um, in our community. Good neighbour has huge impact in our city now. Um, what is the story? Have you got a story that you can tell us about? Yeah how we can all be involved. I think, I think sometimes we, we're brought into this lie that says, unless I can change world hunger, unless I can really make a significant, huge, big difference, then I won't attempt anything. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that one person can make a difference, and everyone should try. It's not my quote, there's another quote from someone else. And I thought, hey, listen, we can try, we can do something. And, 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 and so often the impact is not just kind of just this one big massive thing. It's a, a significant series of little events mm. that, that happen that culminate into kind of this whole thing. Mm. And we've built up kind of respect and trust within the community just through the little things that we've been kind of doing along the way. Um, I, I told a story about Gary Ball in the first service, but 
I want to tell another story about a, a lady. I was called um, to hospice, and this lady was dying, and she wanted me to make 21st keys for her sons because she wasn't going to be around. Oh. And I had made some for my sons, and um, Ian from um, C, C, um, C fourth Joinery, C form Joinery. <clears throat> I met him in the, in the, in the, out there in the cup of tea. And I said, Ian, you've made some keys for me, but this lady needs two keys made for her sons. Can you make me those keys? So he did. He made me these, um, he made the, these 21st keys. I sanded them up and, and, and wrote on the back and then took them to hospice. And, and, and she was there. She was coming and going. And so I presented her to these keys. And she looked at them and she was just saying, oh, thank you so much. You know, this, this means the world to me. And then I said to her, and I've made you something too. And I pulled out of the bag a little cross that you were talking about. Jim Hearn, one of my friends, he, he gave me this idea. Why not make crosses for people that they can hold? And so I made this little cross and I said to this lady, here it is. This is for you. She said, for me? I said, yeah, absolutely. She said, you have no idea. I've lived my life on the other side. I have been so far from God, it's unbelievable. And now it would be wrong of me to come back to the other side. I said, that's exactly what the cross is all about. I said, all you need to do, you don't even need a prayer, you don't have to be theologically trained, all you need to do is just say the word Jesus and he's right there with you. Anyway, I gave her this cross, moved on, hadn't heard from her for about oh, a long time. And then I was at a church giving a presentation and I told that story. And one of our um, people stood up and says, there's a second part to that story. I says, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard this story. Anyway, she said, listen, one day this lady was in the, the hospital room and nothing could console her. She was upset. She was, she was just worked up. And a nurse went in and she tried medication, tried all that kind of stuff. Nothing worked. And then she said, there's a little cross in my drawer. She pulled the cross out. She held it and she just went, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The nurse who was there wasn't a church. She thought, wow, what's happened right here? She went out. And said, you wouldn't believe what I've just seen. And told one of our good neighbor staff at works there what had happened. She said, I know exactly what's gone on. Can I pray with you? And I was able to pray with that nurse as well. I believe that lady, one day. You're going to see her again. Amen. <laughs> you see, the impact that we make may not be earth-shaking. It might not be all that kind of stuff. But for that lady, she left the land of the dying, I believe. Went to the land of the living. Amen. Put her dying days into the hands of the living God. I mean, what more impact can we make Amen. than something like that? Mm. So, um, as I said, I don't do this alone. Rick and Vanessa here have been part of the journey. So many people here, as I look out, have been part of this journey into the city. And we've, we've got a bright future ahead of us, and we want more of you involved, because here is such a great resource. We've been called to go. They're not coming. And it's a journey to walk with people. And so we're asking people to join us on that journey, whatever that might look like, whatever skills or resources you might have. Mm. And just say, God, here it is. It's just 21st keys, but you can take that skill, whatever it is, and use it. Amen. And so that's the impact I believe that we can have. And as, it, as we get involved, God's going to open, open your eyes to things that you, you can see in the community. Mm. And it won't be about Good Neighbor or BBC. It'll be... It'll be us joining you and in, 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 in what you're doing and so on. So I just want to encourage you, if you've got some stuff on your heart and it's muddy <laughs> and it's scary and you don't know how it's going to work out, 
God does. He does. And he has a funny way of working it and bringing the best people around about us. Mm. And we've got some great people. They're not church, all of them church people, great people in the city. And God wants to use us all. Amen. Because, you know, as, as, as you get a heart for God, you need to have a heart for the city. And if you're working in the city, you need to have a heart for the church because people need to be discipled. Amen. And so that's what we've done. Isn't it great? Thank you, Campbell. Campbell's going to be available um, at some point um, at the end of the service if you guys want to talk to him. But now I want to introduce you to a very special lady who's just been with us a year, since January. She she lived in Waihi and came to join our church. Her name is Angela Collier. And take a look at this. So I went on two trips to Ruau Orphanage. Uh, the first one was a organised trip through Bethlehem Baptist through the mission team there. There were eight of us that went. And the second one was one that I decided to go on my own just a few months later uh, for a month. I just fell in love with the kids at the orphanage there and knew that I'd go back again. So one of the fondest memories that I have of the trip, the second trip that I went on was just always hearing the children calling out, Adi Angela, always their beaming smiles um, and their loving arms. They're just, it's just continual. They just want to be with you. They want to be a part of you. Um, And it's just so easy to give to them and have fun. I wanted to go to do missions because it's, it's been on my heart for a long time. On the first trip I went um, to Ruau Orphanage and it just happened out of the blue really. I was living three quarters of an hour away and just decided I wanted to come back to the church in Bethlehem. So I came, the service was brilliant. Uh, The lady who took the service, I got her to pray for me at the end of it. And then standing in the coffee line, um, met someone who said, oh, you need to meet Debbie, because what was on my heart was mission work. Met Debbie, who was our team leader for the first Philippine trip. And 10 minutes after talking to Debbie, she said, do you want to come? And I said, yes. A few days later, I had my tickets booked. Yeah, it was pretty scary, actually. Um, but I just knew it was going to happen. It's, I knew it was what I wanted, so made it happen. So as far as what I learned on the trip um, about myself is that I definitely learned that I can do it. Um, I got a lot of inner strength um, through trusting in God that I can do these things. And I really found that if I thought too much about something, then it got quite difficult. Whereas if I just sort of threw it off and thought, right, I'm gonna do it. Amazing, it just worked. A lot of healing happened for me personally over there. Just being with the kids and they've all got their stories and me too. Um, And yeah, you just, God provides, God shares and loves. And it's that love that's, yeah, so important. It certainly wasn't plain sailing the whole time. No, it was definitely hot. We had power cuts. We um, had heavy rains at times. But it's all just part of the adventure. Um, You just go with it. Yeah, I definitely grew spiritually through the experience. When times were tough, because at times they were tough, um, at times I was like really upset when I had to leave the children the first time, and God just showed me. um, Yeah, he gives me answers 
whether it's something that I read or something that I hear. So spiritually, I think where I had my concerns and doubts and questions, it consolidated my faith. The whole trip really made me closer. It, the relationship with God became closer for me. I'm freer, I'm more open, I spend more time in God's presence now. Yes, yeah, so if, if anyone's interested in it, um, you can certainly get any information from the missions department. They're very open, um, full of knowledge. So. And there's people, there's people that will help. At Bethlehem Baptist, there's always people to ask. If it's in your heart and if you feel that that's what God's calling you, that don't worry too much about the practical side of things. Um, go for it and there will be a way. So now for my plans from now on is that I'm going to just settle here and work for a while. Um, finances get back together again and I definitely want to do more mission work. Um, I'd love to go back to Ruau again, so that's in my heart. But I also have other places that interest me as well. Isn't that a perfect example of what Michaela has just been talking about? Hearing and obeying. And did you get just through that interview, you know, she said it wasn't always easy. It was, there were times that it was hard and yet God was there and God was teaching her things. I remember um, when she was on that team with me the first time, Angela really struggled with some health issues. And she just struggled and pushed on through and often I'd be like, Angela, do you want to go and just have a break? And she's like, no, I'm here and I'm going to do it. And sometimes obeying God is that. It's just pushing on through. And I'm going to ask the worship team, they're going to come out and they're going to sing a song that's called Follow You. And maybe God's asking you, will you follow him? Will you follow him? And while they're coming on, I'm actually going to ask, we've got some great people down here who are part of missions in BBC. We've got Cool Bananas, we've got the Marine Reach guys, we've got the Steiger team, we've got mainly music I can see scattered around. Can you guys all just come and stand at the front here? Icons for boys, icons for girls, um, kids play group. Now this is just a, an example of ways that BBC is involved in missions. And I just want to honour these guys because they're the ones who are following and obeying. Every week, wherever, wherever God's put them, they're being obedient to what God's asked them to do. And I know that some of you out there aren't standing up here, but you are doing that too. And I'd like to honour you for being obedient to where God has called you and what He's called you to do. You know, I'm still processing from Bryce's interview about Steiger a few months ago, how he said there's 10,000 backpackers in the peak season coming through Tauranga. You know, maybe God's asking you to host them for dinner. You might not be able to go to Ruel overseas, but you might be able to have someone in your home, feed them and feed them a bit of Jesus as well. And this song, the Follow You, it says, I will follow you into the homes of the broken. And that really spoke to me because I know um, one thing that God's planted in my mind of the homes of the broken is when I was walking through at the rubbish dump in Manila in the Philippines, 
And this one lady called out of her home, her little shack that's built out of rubbish. And she asked me to come in and pray for her because she had been sick. She couldn't go to the doctor like we would do. She has no money. There's no social welfare. So she's not on a benefit or any kind of support. She was sick and the only thing that would make a difference in her life was if Jesus turned up. And I felt incredibly inadequate. Who am I to pray for this woman who has no hope? But I followed God, I followed Him into that home to this broken woman and I just trust that God moved through me, that God used me, just like He's using each of these people every day, every week, whether it's in Vanuatu, whether it's here, whether it's in our primary schools, reaching out to those kids who are broken. You know, the homes of the broken is not just in a rubbish dump in Manila. We have mainly music mums come. Some of them are broken. We have boys coming to icons. Some of those boys are broken. They don't know what a dad should be like. And yet we have men who will stand up and walk with them. So can I challenge you to be obedient, to hear God's voice, but also be obedient when he's asking you to go? When he's asking you to go into those homes, it might be your neighbour. It might be a mum who you're standing next to waiting for your kids to come out of school. And the thing I love about following him into those homes is because we're following him, it means that he's gone before. He knows exactly where he's leading us and he knows exactly what we need to be able to be Jesus' hands and feet in that situation. So can I challenge you this morning for whatever missions would look like for you? Can you start here at BBC and start now? Talk to these guys after the service. They'll be around the front. See what you can do. See who the broken people God is calling you to. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Debbie.